Welcome to A First Perspective with Victoria. I'm so excited to be able to share these conversations with you all, whether I'm sitting down with friends I've known my entire life, mentors that I look up to, or just people who have unique experiences and interesting perspectives on everything that's going on in the world today. I'm so grateful to be able to sit down with these people and share their stories and share their opinions and just be able to have fun with everything. As the title of the podcast suggests, this is all about seeing everything from a new perspective and learning more about other people's perspectives. So it's important to listen with an open mind and a willingness to see things from other people's points of view. And I hope that along the way you are able to either learn something new about what's going on in the world today or to understand something a little bit better that maybe you didn't know too much about. Either way, I hope you enjoy and thank you so much for listening. You guys, I'm so excited for this week's episode. I had such a fun time sitting down and just talking with my friend Alexa Marie. She, We used to work together, so we're former co-workers, but the moment I met her, I just, we had this connection and I'm so glad that I got the chance to meet her and work with her for the time period we did work together. And when we were working together, she actually read my tarot cards. She would talk about astrology. She would like talk about people's signs. And so I was just always super intrigued with how she knew so much about it. And I thought there was no one better that I'd want to sit down with me to discuss horoscopes, astrological signs. And so it was just so much fun getting to talk to her about it. She's not only a you know, astrology guru, I guess you could call her, but she is also a mom to three young boys. She's a young mom, you know, so she's definitely got her hands full. And so I appreciate her taking her time to come hang out with me for a few hours on a Saturday. And I'm just so excited to be able to share this fun episode with you guys. I had a great time getting to interpret my sun sign, moon sign, my ascendant sign. So It was a blast. I had a lot of fun and I'm just so excited to be able to share the episode with you guys. Enjoy. So joining me today is my friend Alexa. Hi. We uh, worked together recently um, and we connected about a bunch of different things. And the one thing that I know uh, always intrigued me was like your knowledge of astrology and (laughs) horoscope. So I'm just kind of curious where that all started from. The random zany zodiac nonsense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think it started where most people's astrology information starts. Like I think that every preteen girl goes through an embarrassing phase where they just have like a bunch of stuff with their zodiac sign on it. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because that's like most people's base knowledge of astrology. Everyone's like, I know that I am a Taurus and like everyone can look at their birthday and just figure it out on where you're at in the year. Um, what really made me start getting into more of the like deeper layers of astrology was actually someone making fun of astrology. And I read this argument that people were like, well, if people dug deeper, like maybe they'd think about it more and like maybe they'd like it more. 
Um, I think that things like astrology and tarot are more about self-reading than about like actually predicting things in the stars. Yeah. It's more about taking like a second to read the signs that maybe your uh, inner voice or like conscience are trying to get out. Mm -hmm. And so um, when you read more about astrology, um, you just have to like kind of do your star chart and see if you connect with those things. And if you do like take a t second to go like, Oh, I like that thing about myself. And then it's like a nice pat on the back. Cause I yeah. think that overall we're kind of mean to ourselves. <laughs> like, like I know I'm my worst critic. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and it's funny because every time like you do some research about astrology or signs and you know, you focus kind of on the negative. Exactly. Like, oh, I, I know I'm a cancer because I'm emotional. Mm -hmm. and like, you know, and I'm stubborn and everything. And yep. I give people too many chances, but it's like, but there's also a lot of positives in there. Too yeah. That we just don't pay attention to. And it's funny because it's like some people will be like, oh, I really hate my sign. Because like there's some signs in the Zodiac that are just thoroughly shit on. Like everyone knows that. Like Geminis and Scorpios get Scorpio. shit on so much. <laughs> and it's like, no, like look at like the things that like these signs are talking about. Like if you're a Scorpio and you're intense, like that's awesome. We need intense people or like cancers have like this really nurturing energy about them or sometimes you look at your zodiac sign and you're like I don't relate to any of this and that's cool too that's what's crazy to me is when you meet someone and you find out what their zodiac sign is and it doesn't make sense to you based off of them mm -hmm. and so I get I think that's why a lot of people are like oh it's not real you know like horoscopes like signs can't tell you about who I am but I just feel like there's so many people that it does exactly mm -hmm. explain who they are. Well, that's also kind of like what I want to talk about a little bit today. So when people think about astrology, they think of their sun sign. Mm -hmm. um, so basically the date on the calendar, if that's going to be your sun sign, which is kind of like your ego and maybe your underlying, like basically the outward thing that you put to the world. Um, there are two other things that make up when I read this article, it talked about the legs, the three legs that make up like who you are in your star chart. Um, the second one is your moon sign, which what we're going to do is we're going to chart you today so we can read a little bit about it. Your moon is kind of your inner compass. It's how you make your decisions. It's those like, I always describe it as like the soft squishy bits on the inside that maybe you don't show people right away, but like your internal thought processes and then your, there's your ascendant sign. Your ascendant sign's kind of interesting because it's what you show right away. So when you meet someone right away, most of the time, you're actually meeting their ascendant sign because it's not who they are as a person, like their ego. It's not their conscience. It's the kind of the face they put to the world. So when you break it down and some people are like, well, I don't think I'm like that at all. Maybe they're just leaning more into their ascendant sign and they don't know it. Or I might be pronouncing this wrong, but we're going to start chart and it's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know that from personal like experience of star charting, um, actually one of our old coworkers was basically like, I feel like you read my diary. Like when you get into like how deep some of yeah. these inner th things are and if it resonates with you, cool. If it doesn't, that's also cool. Like. Yeah. I don't know. I think that everyone should uh, have some fun and look at their star chart because, you know, maybe it'll make you think about some things, your personality a little deeper and see what you can do. Yeah. And I definitely I like what you brought up about the tarot card reading, because we did that at the office one time. Yeah. Like just for fun. Like, yeah. nothing super serious. But it was very much um, 
you know, I'm gonna, like, you're gonna pull these cards and we're gonna see just how you feel about mm-hmm. I, You know, it's not telling you anything, like you said, it's not predicting the future, yeah. but it's just bringing things up and whatever it, like, resonates with you, whatever you think of when you pull those cards is very much on your mind and you should pay attention to it. Exactly. Um, what I personally think is that, like, when people start getting into tarot, everyone wants to go right away to a tarot card reader and have them read things. And the problem is, is that a lot of the people who are going to read your cards are in it for the money. Like as most careers, of course, everyone wants money. Like money makes the world ground. Let's be real. But when you find a good tarot card reader, you'll find someone who isn't necessarily, um, maybe they have a spiritual belief. Maybe they think it's ancestors or the universe or whatever God or goddess they aspire to. But the point is, is that they're going to try to make connections and inferences into what's on the forefront of your mind. And they're going to try to read you in a way that will help, um, not help you not only connect with what's bugging you, but help you figure out a way through it. Or if there's something good coming because, you know, maybe you're really confident right now and something's really good, like make you not self-sabotage. Um, when you read tarot cards on your own, it's really beneficial when you're first getting started because you're going to know exactly what you're thinking of right away. Like if you pull up a card and you see it and you're like, oh no, this is a negative card. Your brain is instinctively to jump to that thing that maybe is bugging you. And then you're going to have some time to sit on it and be like, well, what can I do to have this, you know, maybe help this out. Maybe I can guide this in a different direction. Maybe I can, you know, problem solve and see what I need to do. Or maybe you look at the cards and you go, you know what? This actually isn't as big a deal as I thought it was and move on. I think a lot of the times people don't have the tools to, uh, talk with their inner voice and conscience. I think there's like a block right now when it comes to actually thinking of our problems because everyone's so stressed about the small things. They're stressed about work. They're stressed about friendship drama. They're stressed about like getting their errands done so that when there are big core problems, like am I being fulfilled? Am I doing what's right for me? that they don't get to address it as much. And I think that when you do things like tarot or astrology or really anything that makes you connect with yourself, it gives you that extra time to figure out like maybe what what you want or what's happening. Or like I said, that little like self-confidence boost, like, yeah, I am these things. That's awesome. So definitely. All right. How do we, how do we start this? What do we do? All right. So we are going to go to a star chart website and pull it (laughs) off on my phone. Thank you, technology. And we're going to do is I usually use, I think it's cafe astrology. Sorry. I don't know if I can say trademark things on here. (laughs) Please don't sue me. Cafe astrology. (laughs) Um, what we're going to do is we're going to put in your chart. So what is your birthday? June 25th. And let's not put the year so people can't steal your identity. That's <laughs> a real thing. My husband made me watch a video on it. Oh, my God. It was terrifying. This woman in 30 seconds was able to hack this guy's birth date, um, use an address using he had tagged a furniture store that he had purchased something from. And she called the furniture store and she was like, yeah, I'm just trying to make sure I'm sending it to the right place. And the furniture store gave her over the phone, this guy's address. So she was able to call and get all of his frequent flyer miles transferred to herself because she used Facebook and a Twitter post to figure out his two security questions, which were his address and his date of birth. So terrifying stuff. Yeah, wow. <laughs> a little different thing. All right. And what's your birth time? I don't think anyone can use that. So two? <laughs> yeah, like two in the afternoon. And then you said you were born in Japan? I was born in Japan. Where? I was born in Misawa, Japan. All right. Uh, dad was in the Navy, so born abroad. Nice. Makes for some interesting. Was it better? I know that right now there's some problems with, like, if you're born in another country, there have been 
problems with getting yourself a U.S. citizenship, which I don't know why they're doing that now. Yes, because thank goodness I was born when there was a different president. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. So here we have yours. So you are a sun in Cancer, which you already knew. And your moon is in Sagittarius. I know nothing about Sagittarius. Oh, yeah. One of our coworkers is Sagittarius. It's Rob, and he always talks about like Sagittarius are just the chaos sign, which as someone who has a sun in Sagittarius, the chaos sign. Like, absolutely. Let's see. The Roman numerals for the house, and let's figure out where your ascendant sign is. I'm really bad at figuring out the ascendants using this. But let's start with finding out a little bit what it means to have a sun in Cancer and a moon in Sagittarius. So then... We're going to pull up an article that talks about that. The because, internet is amazing. Yeah. Anybody can do this now. Seriously. I mean, it used to be that you had to pay like 30 bucks and go to someone's house and they would like take books and like figure <laughs> it out. But no, now everyone can just go online and you can Google it and you can find a perfect article or like a little snippet that'll tell you exactly what this means. Yeah. All right. So let's see. Is this the article? All right, so let's read a little bit about Sun and Cancer, Moon and Sagittarius. The combination of Sun and Cancer and Moon and Sagittarius blends the contradictory elements of caution, tenacity, and a need for security with the much more outgoing Sagittarius tendency of outgoing and independent. This pairing gives you a more sociable and progressive demeanor. You can relate to generalities and ideals, but on a more real and practical basis, and you inspire confidence in people. But in your relationships with others, you demand absolute honesty. Does that sound right? <laughs> There's an ongoing joke. Like, I hate liars. And, like, once you lie to me, I will forever think that you're a liar. Yep. And I will never believe anything you tell me. Well, your star chart says that, too. <laughs> so. But yeah. Like, if you lie to me, like, that's who you are for the rest of your life in my eyes. They continue. Yeah. It says when you detect falsity and insincerity in your dealings with people, the sensitive and defensive side of your nature quickly appears. Uh, Petty jealousies and trite behavior repels you. You live more or less by your own set of rules, often trying to live up to some ideal or idol you've set up as a goal or inspiration. Is that kind of like, do you have like someone that you're like, this is what I want to be like. And you do that. Um, not necessarily. I don't okay. really have like people that like I idolize and I'm like, wow, like it would be so cool to like live their lives, but there's not, you don't have like a vision board of someone. <laughs> <laughs> you go into my bedroom right now. <laughs> it would be like when Stefani, let's walk. But I mean, I think that's all of us right now. Thankfully the world uh, has a lot more because of the internet. Thank you. Internet. Uh, we actually have options of like eccentric things. I know that, um, I was talking to someone who's talking about like punk mm-hmm. and how like people who are like old school punk don't think that like they like really anti Green Day and stuff because they're like, you're not a true punk. It's either all or nothing. And it's like, <laughs> well, I guess if that's all you had access to, because you had to put all your money into one venue to like yeah. get one outlet, like maybe. But now like there's Spotify. Yeah. I can be punk and then I can listen to Taylor Swift all in the same day. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. So it says in many ways you are a true free spirit. While you're extremely polite and tactful, you seem to have no difficulty being firm and definite. As someone who's worked with you, I can 100% vouch for this. <laughs> you seem so easygoing until you have to like put your foot down and then it's just done. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much like, and then once my foot is down, it's not, it's not going up. <laughs> I planted there. 
All right. Yeah, communication is frank, open, and no one has to wonder where you stand on an issue. Weakness or timidity is rarely a problem with this placement. Would you say that? Um, from feedback that I've received from other people, like people find me intimidating, which is interesting because I don't think that I'm intimidating. I just think that I am kind of closed off for a while. And so people like take a while, like I take a while to like warm up to people, people yeah, let them in and everything. And so I think people find me intimidating, but I don't find very many situations intimidating. Like, so it's, yeah, it's kind of spot on for you then because it's like, you've got that firmness because now I'm on a different one. I really like this other website for it because it actually gives like a snippet like a name for what your personality is yours is a decisive personality absolutely so that's great because I know so many people who are just horrible at making decisions like I I mean being like for instance in my work life you know I talk to people that are trying to find jobs all the time Mm -hmm. and so one thing that especially I've noticed recently is I'm on the phone with people and I'm like okay, like, what are you most interested in? And they're like, everything. And I'm like, okay, like, what do you feel is your strengths and your weaknesses? And they're like, everything. I mean, you have to be specific. You have to know yourself, yeah. Yeah. And you have to be able to, like, know direct answers and just, you can't be open to everything. And, And I'm very much that person of, like, I... I'm always, I'm, I'm never like towing the line. Like I'm either yep. yes or no. I'm always, you know, like that's just always who I've been. I think it's funny because one of the ways that I think that you're most like yes or no is on food. <laughs> one of the jokes uh, my coworker said was that Rob, he was like, I think Victoria's food preferences are my favorite thing to learn about because I've never met anyone who has like such definitive likes and dislikes. Like it's not even like pickiness. It's I like this and I do not like that. Like there's no wiggle room on that line. And I just think it's, yeah. And that's been, that's who I was as a child. And I think that's just who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I think that's great. Be you. Shine bright. But... (laughs) says direct but gentle the cancer sun sagittarius moon personality is quick-witted but will also have moments of weakness and melancholy where they will forget and forgive without holding a grudge so do you hold a grudge would you say or would you say you like stop holding a grudge after a while and you give another chance is that you're saying about too many chances before yeah i don't think i hold grudges i feel like there's maybe two people that i maybe held a grudge for or against in like high school but I'm very much the person of, like, I will give you as many second chances as you ask for, mm-hmm. which is not the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm fully aware of that. But I'm just, that's just always who I've been because it's, you know. And I think one of the things, too, is I I will give people as many second chances as they ask for when it comes to me. Mm-hmm. But once you, like, hurt or betray someone that I love and I care about, mm-hmm. like, I will never forgive you. Like, I don't care how you treat me, but I care about how you treat everyone around me. It's very interesting. There's a lack of self-prioritization when it comes to emotions, it seems. Like, you're much more interested in the people you love than you are in your own self-preservation. Yeah. It's interesting because they're, in a nutshell, it says your positives are that you're imaginative and looking at, like, Harry Potter and True Blood and, like, all that good stuff. Definitely. Knowledgeable and multitasking. I've seen you multitask and it's insane to watch. I've never seen anyone work two jobs so flawlessly, which is, yeah. Uh, Negatives, you can be resentful, pretentious, and impatient. (laughs) 
What do you What do you think of those ones? Are they the impatient ones? Hundred <laughs> percent spot on. I have no patience for anything. Oh my god, no patience. That's a like a hard like you felt like a hard line. Your perfect partner is someone who will allow them to show how protective they are, which you just talked about. That you'd much rather like that you're like defensive of others. Like you need someone who isn't uh, gonna let you not protect them yeah. like someone who's gonna like let you do it yeah. <laughs> advice they need to learn how to be more tactful did you say yes no maybe yeah. as you've aged you've gotten better at it maybe this is a young aspiring <laughs> maybe I, yeah i don't fully know how i feel about that one but it continues uh sun cancers are cautious people who pay attention to almost everything i do all right i'm I will pay attention, like, I'm a very big people watcher, I want to sit around, like, if I could just sit and mm-hmm. just watch people all day, oh, yeah. I would not be bad about it, and there were so many times that, you know, we'd be working in the office, and I'd pay attention to something that was going on that no one else was paying attention to, oh, yeah. uh, and I would be like, oh my god, are you guys watching this? But you need to, something's what, happening. What is it? What's <laughs> happening? I don't understand. Oh my gosh. And then it continues. Get back here. It says, but when the moon is in Sagittarius in equation, all this changes for Sag- because Sagittariuses are independent and expansive. Huh. The influence of the Sagittarius moon will inspire others to want to be like them, which I can definitely see. I know that like in the office watching you work hard definitely inspires other people to work hard too. And so that's good. Um, you can recognize mistakes that others make and you hate insincerity like the same thing this is a different like breakdown of what the signs mean and just that back to that whole uh you cannot stand liars thing I don't like liars and just like I think and a big thing for me is I'm very I've always been very intuitive Mm -hmm. and so I can tell when someone's being sincere versus not Mm -hmm. and yeah, if you're like, just be who you are, be honest and upfront with me. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll never judge anybody, but I think when people try to be someone that they're not or try to like put on a show for me as to who they are, I will always be turned off by that. And what do you think that's more of like a natural thing or do you think it's from interactions? Because something that like a lot of people say about Zodiac things is that like, how do I know it's me versus my childhood trauma? You know, like everything that like, <laughs> like maybe you were lied to a lot as a kid. And so like you just suddenly don't like it or maybe it's just something you're born with, like Maybelline style. I, I honestly don't know. I feel like it's probably a mix of both. I think that there was a lot of stuff that went on when I was growing up that made me, you know, look out for red flags and mm-hmm. like, rec- be able to recognize them way more. But I definitely do feel like ever since I was little, like I hated liars, like I hated and I hated cheaters. So when you're mm. playing games, like if anybody was cheating, I would always be the one to like call them out. Like, and so I think that's just always been part of who I am. But as I've gotten older, like I've been in situations that have made me more like that. So I just did a little bit of digging because sometimes you got to read the charts a little more to figure stuff out. And I have found out that your ascendant is in Scorpio. Oh my God. <laughs> Which, as we discussed, I think you have a soft spot for Scorpios. I do have a <laughs> spot for Scorpios. I always have. Um, my roommate, Ashley, who's been on the podcast, she is a Scorpio. Um, two out of my, like, 
three or four serious relationships have been with Scorpios. Yeah, it's probably because, yeah. And I have a soft spot for them, but I also get frustrated by them because they're, uh, they just don't communicate on my level. And I just don't, you know, I, I want that open honesty and like, not to say that they're, they've been dishonest, mm-hmm. but like they're just, you know, they're just very um, private and not forthcoming. It's true. Yeah. So what I'm reading is, is that a man with sun cancer and an ascendant in Scorpio. I don't know why it's male specific for the beginning of this article. We're going to, yeah. we're going to like put that upside. But it has a very creative, gifted character, and what they give birth, they openly believe in the world, so they're kind of global. Um, They want to generate movement to scare the crowd, and they have the power to do it. Would you say that you're scaring crowds these days? (laughs) Super scary. I think that definitely goes back to the intimidation thing. Yeah, I think it does. Scorpios are, like, the number one thing that whenever I talk to people about, like, Scorpios, the first thing is that intensity, that, like, drive, and as someone who's been around a lot of Scorpios... They are a little intense. Like yeah. it's it's a definitely a different personality. Um, it's funny that you have trouble connecting with Scorpios because of that like mm-hmm. communication issue. I am a sun in Taurus and my moon's in Pisces. And uh, my longest term relationship besides with my husband was with a Pisces. And I remember always being so annoyed with the like, dreamy like unable to like be serious about things elements of this Pisces that I was with and then when I found out that it was my moon sign I was like I wonder if that was me hating on my own like uh that like dreaminess you know it's like I think that some people like being a dreamer is great until it starts getting in your way like if you're not going to actually sit down and make a plan and do it, it being a dreamer is just like that saying head in the clouds and i I think he's still living in his parents' basement. (laughs) Last I heard. So, you know, I think his head's still in the clouds. But back to the Scorpio. Uh, Cancers with an ascendant in Scorpio come into conflict when it comes to self-affirmation. They're very individualized dryness. Uh, They protect from any adjustment while they can use the means that others would call exaggeratedly emotional and even ruthless. (laughs) I don't know. Can you be ruthless? Uh, I can be ruthless, like... You know, when it comes to my relationships and everything, I've been in situations where, you know, and just very, it, it's very much that like decisive nature that I have. Mm-hmm. Where once I've made up my mind, you're not changing it. I'm not going to go back on my word or my thoughts or anything like that. But it takes me a lot to get there. But it's definitely, and it's just so funny because I think that, you know, I think that the things that bother us about other people are like what we dislike in ourselves. A hundred percent. Yeah. But we're self-conscious about in ourselves. And so I think that is a hundred percent why I struggle with Scorpio. Because it's your, right. It's it's your ascendant. It's that thing that, like I said, there's, um, like there's an article that talks about the three legs of your star chart. There's so many little bits and pieces. I mean, there's so many stars up there. Of course, the chart's going to look like a lot more. Um, there's a lot way, more ways to d- dive in and be more involved in it. But the three main ones are going to be your sun, your moon, and your ascendant. Um, and like I said, the ascendant's kind of like the face you show the world. And it's like that first like knee-jerk thing that maybe you do. And so found a better article because I really didn't like that like male-centric one. <laughs> but 
It talks about how your emotions play a central part in the lives of people born as cancer with sun with a Scorpio ascendant. Due to their strong personality, they know exactly what life is for and are aware of their part in it. With a cozy home as a base, cancers and Scorpios and it spare no efforts finding tranquility as well as a, spend a relaxing time in their own homes. They are in private, in private as well as on the job. Cancer sun with Scorpio rising sometimes prefer getting to the bottom of things. Which sounds like... Sound something familiar? Any of these? Yeah. Uh, deep inside, this sign simply bursts of kind-heartedness, thus being a really amiable character. So, would you say that at your core, you're very kind-hearted? Definitely. I okay. think that I, you know, I'm always wanting to get down to the bottom of things. I'm very much about open communication, and if there's a problem, let's talk about it. Let's talk it out. Let's get it all out there, and then let's get over it. Mm-hmm. You know? Definitely. And I always have the intentions of doing that to make someone feel better. Yeah, you, you don't believe that you can move past things, you guys. You kind of believe that you've got to dredge it up, put it on the table, and then say, 100%. this is what it was. Let's push it away now. Yeah. I think that's very different than Pisces because Pisces are very much like, I can forgive you without knowing anything about the actual core of things. And so it's like, you can't forgive that way from what I've experienced. <laughs> I, and like, let's just talk about it. Let's put it all out on the table. And, you know, and I just think it's such a it's like so therapeutic too to talk about it and to you know and it doesn't make you feel like you're gonna throw up (laughs) in certain situations (laughs) because i mean like i know from most part when it comes like really really hard conversations i know i've got to have one i will start feeling like i'm gonna be sick it's just like no i don't want to do this it's gonna suck and i get that like anxiety like palms are sweaty oh it's the worst you know clammy like every i get all of like the uh, like, uh, like physical mm-hmm. stuff, but I know mentally, like it will, I'll be better. It'll, the situation will be better. Um, once we talk about it, mm-hmm. I just think so many people do want to put, and I think that's, I mean, honestly, I grew up in a household where we pushed, like swept everything under the rug. We never talked about it. Ooh. And so for me, it's always that been, like, probably made a lot of conflict for you. Very hard to connect when you're not allowed to discuss your feelings and emotions. Yeah, and so I've always been like, ever since I was little, like, I just will talk about it. I'm just, and I think I'm so emotional. Mm -hmm. It's like, I can't, I have an, I have an emotional connection with pretty much everybody Mm -hmm. in some way. And so I will never not be emotional with people that I care about. That's fair. I mean, I think a lot of the times people are frightened to be emotional with others and frightened to connect because connections, you know, leaves you open for a lot of hurt. It makes you vulnerable. Yeah. So vulnerable. Like, I'm a mad crier. I know it sounds weird, but when I cry, I then get mad that someone has made me cry (laughs) because I'm like, how dare you make me look vulnerable in this moment? Like, I don't want to seem like the weaker person. And I will then become like, I'm not I'm not normally an angry person. In fact, my first knee jerk reaction is usually hurt or sad or kind of like, oh, okay. But when you hurt my feelings enough, I will then get so mad that someone's made me cry. It's like, it makes you think of that line. How dare you make me bleed my own blood? Like, I'm that with my tears. Like, how dare you make me cry and be vulnerable? I did not ask for this. Yeah. And I am just, I'm a huge crier. I, I was telling my roommate that I was listening to a song the other day and I just started crying. Oh my God. And I was like, you need to get your life together. <laughs> No, it's good. It's not even that emotional of a song. And I was Who cares? It struck something with you and you were moved. I mean, that's, you know, isn't that what everything's supposed to do? We're supposed to feel things, but yeah. we're taught that some things are 
not good to feel. Yeah, totally. And I just think I, I did, like, I grew up in an environment where that was very much the case. Like, we're not going to talk about our emotions. We're not going to be emotional. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's maybe why I'm hyper emotional because, like, I feel like I kind of bottled it up yeah. for so long. But it could also just be that you're a cancer. If we're going to use the Zodiac labelings <laughs> on this, I mean, yeah, cancers. That too. That too. But I, I, you know, I think it's important to feel what you're feeling and to work through it and to acknowledge those feelings. So I'll always, I'll always tell people, you know, like feel your feelings. They're valid. Yeah. It's a, uh, one of the things that I'm actually, one of the reasons I left our previous job is that I'm um, pursuing my PhD in psychology, which I think. If anyone, you know, knows me in the future, like, don't think like, oh, this woman likes Zodiac. She can't, you know, be a licensed psycholo- psychology, you know, professional. Um, that's not the point. The point is, is that any tool that makes you think about your own emotions and who you are, are valid and can be useful. Um, I mean, lots of psychologists are now using things like meditation and yoga. And I'm sorry, if a psychologist can hand you a coloring sheet and tell you that this is going to help you not feel depressed, I think that, you know, using a Zodiac chart and making Making you spend some time and think about like, well, why don't you like that description of yourself? If that was you, what about that word makes you feel uncomfortable? Because maybe yeah. it's, you know, something that like is an insecurity and maybe it's not a trait you have, but discussing those things, yeah. discussing your emotions. Um, yeah. One of the greatest books I've read is called The Language of Emotions. And it talks about how we're taught as a society that some emotions are good and positive, happiness, love, excitement. And pretty much everything else is a bad emotion, fear, anger, sadness. And what they are, there are natural responses to things. Um, The book breaks it down as to anger is your brain's natural way of setting up a boundary. It's basically saying, this has pushed me too far. I do not like it. Here is my line. Sadness is your body's way of releasing emotion. Like you feel too much because some people cry when they're happy. Some people, you know, cry when they're like, sad. yeah, right. And you have extra excess things in your brain and your, in your emotions naturally want to release that. And that release can come in lots of ways through sadness, through crying, sometimes just through being melancholy and fear is also a great emotion because it's your body. It's, it's you saying this is scary and I could get hurt. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get hurt, but it's great for you to take the time to stop and go like, why do I think I'm going to get hurt here? If it's in a relationship thing, is this something wrong with the other person where they're actually going to hurt me and you're aware of that? Or is it something from a past relationship that you're holding on to and that that fear is kind of, um, it's that fight or flight instinct instead of actually something really happening. So it's just interesting. Like that's how I use these things. I think that they help so important oh yeah that's how we freaking survive and it's how we grow if you don't have hard things that you're scared about that you then overcome I mean you're just gonna stagnate and it's it can be really boring (laughs) I just feel like I mean fear is literally what has allowed us to adapt and Mm -hmm. continue to survive as a species yeah like if we weren't scared of things everyone would just be doing crazy shit and dying all the time well i mean it's interesting that you talk about that um my husband and i watched a documentary recently that talked about how one of the reasons why guerrilla warfare um tactics target children they don't have fear children don't understand the repercussions of morality or basically these big scale things and they're very easily swayed they don't have that same fear that you grow into having as an adult and watching through experiences. And so that's why these groups target them is because there's a lack of fear there. Yeah. And when you watch what happens when people aren't afraid, 
the damage is huge. So fear is a really important and um, I think that people don't necessarily talk about fear enough and how it's actually something that's like healthy and good and how we should like, I think a healthy amount of fear is great. Like it keeps you from skydiving at the place that has a Sharpie signed billboard. You know what I mean? Like if it doesn't have a Yelp page and reviews <laughs> and it's just some guy in the middle of the desert with the plane, you shouldn't jump out of it, guys. <laughs> like your fear should be kicking in and saying, this is a bad call. Like, well, and like, it's crazy. I was reading or watching something recently about how some of it too is just like, uh, learned and some like we pass it on to future generations oh yeah babies younger kids or whatever will be looking at pictures you know very you know like therapy psychological stuff. Mm -hmm. and they'll see you know random pictures of like a banana like random things and they'll see a picture of a spider and they get scared yeah it's and it's crazy because they may have never seen a spider in real life but instinctively mm -hmm. oh that's bad that can hurt me you know it, yeah it's there's um it's generational fear it's i mean they talk about it with like uh, there's also generational trauma you know they talk about it with people who like are descendants from people of the holocaust and how there's like actual trauma that's in their dna from you know this stress um i think the spider thing is interesting too though because it means that the spider has evolved in a way that is saying what it wants to like there's lots of predators out there that want to give off this impression of i am scary and big and bad like uh those frogs that imitate the poisonous frogs yeah. the little poison dart frogs and it's amazing how our brains are still at its our core like very in tune with nature i think a lot of the times people forget that and I have this conversation with my kids all the time. We're actually animals. Like I know that we're humans and we've got computers and cars, but like at our core, we have the same instincts as wild animals. And we've kind of like, and you know, it's important to think about our inner, like those inner workings, those, that fear receptor. Going back to you, it does say that these are the people who just board trains and airplanes whenever they feel like. When I have the money. And it also says that it's difficult for them to stick to one partner and they get bored really fast. <laughs> I feel attacked. I was not sure on that one. But um, the mirror is up to the face. Sometimes you got to look at it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, I always want to keep things interesting and I want to, I don't, I could never be, you know, that person that just, you know, has the same set schedule every single day of their life mm -hmm. and, you know, has dinner at this certain time. Yeah. It says you need to roam free. That's basically the biggest thing is that you always need the space to roam free. Another one I think is really funny is it says not very affectionate. They are, however, loyal to the person they love. One of our longstanding jokes at our office was the not a hugger thing. Like, just not huggers, like not naturally going to like grab you unless there's like an actual like big emotional response. Like I'm not naturally, I'm not naturally going to like go out and touch someone. And I think that I'm guessing from this, you're kind of. Yeah, it, definitely not. When people hug me, especially randomly. Like, oh no. Very yeah. I have to like stop my, my brain. Like initially when I get hugged, I'm like, Ooh, Ooh. And then I have to stop and be like, well meant, well meant hug him yeah. back, give a smile yeah. and, and then I, move I, away. <laughs> not hugging people back too so like think that I'm so mean you put your arms down <laughs> I'm literally standing there with my arm down and they're just that happened recently with Rob and I was just like oh he's such a big hugger <laughs> he always was like telling me he's like I just want to hug you I'm like it's not necessary please don't <laughs> but yeah and like yeah that's always for as long as I can remember I 
I just, you don't need to hug me. You don't, you don't need to. You can express. And I think that goes back to, I just want you to like talk about. Yeah. Tell me your emotions. You don't need to physically tell them. I once had a massage where the masseuse stopped halfway through my massage and was like, you weren't hugged very much as a child, were you? (laughs) And I was like, this is the most uncomfortable massage of my life. I'm so mad right now. You're like, I didn't know this she then proceeded to tell me that we needed to do massage work to work out my childhood trauma and I needed to come see her at least once a week to get over my uh, dislike of being touched and I'd like to add that I was engaged at the time so obviously I don't mind being touched it's just like maybe I didn't like how she was rubbing my back but she made it this super intense thing and I left that massage and I called my mom I was like was I not hugged enough as a child and she's like I I don't know what you're talking about but I feel attacked (laughs) it was the worst massage ever (laughs) masseuse wherever you are I did not leave a good Yelp review yeah roaming free is also I move a lot and at a recent like Friendsgiving (laughs) one of my friends Brendan he walked up to me. He's like, where are you located at? I know you're a nomad. And I was oh, like, no. <laughs> and, like, I laughed. And, like, my friend's husband was like, were you not offended by that? I'm like, no, because it's true. Like, I move a lot. I I don't like feeling like I'm stuck in one place. Okay. Like, I just want the – not so much that, like, I want to leave all the time, but I want the option to leave. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel stuck. Like, you're keeping me somewhere or, like, I can't leave. That will always trigger. So that feeling of being trapped, that feeling of, like, staying in one place. That's interesting. Yeah. Do you think that you'll ever, like, have, like, a lot, like... So when you look at your future, do you see, like, you need to be with someone who would also be able to get up and go? Like, something, like, someone who could also... No, I think that I would... I think I need somebody who's going to make me want to stay. Okay. Like I, and I think that's, you know, I've been single for a very long time. And I think that that's because I, um, I just haven't met anybody that makes me want to like change my life. Interesting. And like, no one's made me want to like stick around. Huh. It's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. I can definitely see that that would be like, you'd have to find someone like that gives you that ability to protect, you know, that space to be who you are. And by giving you space probably makes you want to stay because it's, it's a hard, it's a contradiction. It's like yeah. you, you've got to give a person that wants to roam enough space to be themselves, but you also have to inspire them to like, you're a good place to be. And one thing that I am noticing, and I can tell, but you know, your home is lovely, is that your home and actually where you are, where you set up camp is very important to you. Would you say that when you're home, it's like one of the places you're most comfortable and kind of your inner sanctum, but oh, that you absolutely. Okay. I, I mean, I do, I enjoy going out and mm-hmm. having fun and, you know, socializing, but my, my, I will always enjoy staying home Mm -hmm. and camping out in my bedroom or on the living room couch and just watching tv all day not really having to leave like it's very much you know but it's interesting because it seems like and i noticed that this is something that like from what i've seen of cancers is that when they set up a home it's their home, like their shell and that, and they can really set it up anywhere. Cause you know, cancer shells are portable cause they're crabs. So like once, but once you set up that camp, this becomes like a safe place for you. Would you say that when you move, it's an easy transition to think of your new space as home? Oh, absolutely. That's really and interesting. Always like decorate and mm-hmm. put everything up and like make it feel like a home. Mm-hmm. But I also will, you know, once my lease is up, 
see what else is out there. Nice. That's just always how I've been too. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, like growing up with my mom, like we moved a lot too. So well, I yeah, the military family definitely. I'm, yeah. I'm, my husband was in the Navy, so Navy wife life, which is interesting because I'm the opposite. As a tourist, I'm a homebody, but I'm very much like a no change, stay here. This is my home. I've built it the way I like. I don't want to move. And so initially being in the Navy and like having to move every couple of years was super hard on me. I had to like get used to that shifting and I had to find ways that didn't break the bank for me to make places a home because, you know, one of the number one things of tourists that I do identify is that um, that luxury things like I am a candle, cozy blanket, uh, (laughs) warm drinks like kind of person. Like when I go in my house, I want it to feel super inviting and cozy and um that luxury that luxuriousness and so when we'd move my first instinct would be well I've got to make a new place so I've got to buy all new throw blankets and my husband would be like we have throw blankets what are you doing <laughs> no I can't bring everything from the previous yeah that was place. that home I need a new one now if you're gonna have me get used to it and he'd just look at me he'd be like no you are insane what are you doing <laughs> we can't do this we can't afford to do this every time so it's very uh it's always very interesting when you look at how the different ways that people construct a home yeah. and you've got to like, I had to break that habit. I do it through DIYs now. <laughs> so I still make new things, but it's like crocheting. So I have to like sit there and slave away to make my space. <laughs> nice. I, I like will always want wherever I'm living to feel like home. Yeah. Always. But it seems like, you know, since you do have this like, ability to move that you'll be able to do it pretty fast you can get the decorations up you're used to it you've got that like military life and now I'd say uh, I could probably move pretty easily now I can get things I know the logistics I know how to put things up I know how to figure it out Um, but it does take me a little bit longer for it to feel like home like I'm a chicken and sometimes I'll even want to sleep like a bathroom light on in new places because for me it's like I don't sleep well in hotels Um, it takes me a while and I think it's that same like mental thing where it's like my home is where I've built my routines. My home is where my day to day is kind of a little more predictable. And when I'm in a new space, it means I have to figure out new routines because, you know, like if you're living in a place where the washer and dryer isn't in unit, your laundry routine changes. Yeah. Like if you don't have a dishwasher, everything changes a little bit. So yeah, totally. it's kind of cool. Totally. I, and I keep my routine as much as I can. Like there's always those changes like what you're saying about like not having like a dishwasher, like a washer yeah. and dryer. Those are big deal breakers. I've got three kids. We can't do that. <laughs> Those would not happen anymore before I could like let them slide. But now it's like, absolutely not. We're not doing this. <laughs> I totally get that. But yeah, you know, what's interesting is that everything that we've kind of talked about with who you are, like that putting everything on the table, it's in your star chart mm-hmm. and it's great. And I hope that when you read these things, you know, about like disliking liars and um you know the the forgiving and forgetting but you know they and the ability to remember events words and even facial expressions that hurt them like that those things like sometimes people will be like oh well that sucks you know like having to hold on to that information but it's great because if you can remember things that hurt you in relation to one person mm-hmm. you'll know the warning signs with another person yeah. and so i think that one of the greatest things about reading things like this is just, like I said, that little bit of introspection and sometimes that like that smiling and laughing over something like when you said you felt attacked, but you laughed. It's like it's not a serious way of looking at things yeah. like for someone else to look at you and like point blank, hold eye contact and say, you can't commit. And like and then like that would be pretty offensive, you know, like yeah. 
I mean, I can't imagine going to a therapy session and having a licensed professional basically tell me like, you are not going to find anyone because you get bored. Like that would be like such a hard thing to hear. But when you read it, it's like, no, I can see why that is. I can kind of understand that. And it makes you like look at those things in a lighthearted way. And I think that that's, I think that's cool. It's one of my favorite things about the Zodiac and how everything works. Absolutely. And I will, I mean, I love reading about my Zodiac sign and astrology and like reading my horoscope every day. But you hadn't done your moon sign, your moon rise or anything. I've never done any of that. Like I had no idea what I was. That's really interesting because I think that. Because I've always been like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm such a cancer. I'm totally a cancer, which is very true. But I do think it's interesting to see the ascension you know, yeah, the, the moon, the ascendance. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. Like, you can have things in like Mercury, like, where is everything in Pluto? I haven't gotten that far yet. Like, I, I'm still on the tip of the iceberg of astrology. And, you know, like, call me in a couple more years when I'm bored and I need to look into more of things. But yeah. I think these are like a good baseline. And I think they're really great conversation starters. And I think they're also kind of fun. Like, yeah. workplaces use all those personality tests now, like the Myers Briggs and everything. Yeah. And I think it's so crazy that they like, let people put things down about themselves because as someone who does have a psychology background, one of the number one things they say about surveys is that people lie about themselves <laughs> all the time. You're a hundred percent going to put down like on a personality test for your boss, yeah. the best version of that question for you. Like it's not going to be accurate because you're going to lie to yourself. <laughs> I don't care if you don't, t- if you tell me there's no right answer. Yes, there is. Right? Like those are uh, pretty much like everyone has a little bit of a difference because like there are certain things where you're like, well, maybe I'm not the most charitable. So you put like in the middle instead of a no because you don't want to look like a dick in front of like an office personality test. It kind of makes me laugh because like, honest to God, astrology and Zodiac is just like that. It's that same thing where it's like you put personality traits on paper and you see which ones you connect with. And if you don't, cool. And if you do, awesome. Like, and it's just, I just think it's funny how like people are so against it and how people are so like, oh, it's not real. And it's like, let people have things they like. So much of all of it is me. Like yeah. the good, the bad, mm-hmm. the funny. Like I'm just like, yeah, all of that is me. It totally makes sense. But because we're multidimensional people, <laughs> it's like everyone reads their zodiac signs and they're either looking for things to like, or they're looking for things to be attacked on. And it's yeah. like, it's just, it's just fun. Like none of this is like. I mean, sure, there are people and, and, you know, the Internet will show you those girls who will text you at two in the morning and be like, what time were you born? Like, because they want to look at your moon, their like rising moon near ascendant. They want to figure it out because yeah. they do judge you on it. But like, it's really just a tool to figure yeah. out stuff about people and see what they uh, what they think. Interesting. So you kind of like barely just touched on it. But what is Mercury in retrograde and why does everybody hate it? I do. I do. So Mercury in retrograde is basically a position and uh, the sky. (laughs) And what it does is it's supposed to, if I remember correctly, it's supposed to like invert things. So it's supposed to make everything emotions heightened, the bad things worse. I can pull up exactly what it is. Because I feel like up until maybe like the last year and a half or so, I literally had never heard about it before. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, every whatever it happens. It feels like every three months Mercury has been in retrograde according to Instagram and Facebook, which I don't know if I believe. (laughs) Everyone's freaking out and blaming it for being bad people. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically what I was saying is Mercury in retrograde is when it looks like Mercury's orbit has been reversed. 
And so it looks like it's circling the earth in a different way. And because of that, people blame it for lots of stuff like bad moods or intense uh, interactions with people. But I mean, whenever people blame Mercury and retrograde, it makes me think of, did you read Holes as a kid? Yeah. <laughs> My no good, dirty, rotten, pig stealing, great, great grandfather. Like you can't like... <laughs> It feels great to have something to blame. And if saying Mercury in retrograde is why you had a bad day makes you feel better. Cool. But like at the end of the day, your actions are your actions. And yes, they have proved that like some things like are related to like the way the planets are aligning and like, you know, eclipses and moon position because, you know, like the tides and everything and all those but I don't know if I can say that you yelled at your boss because it was Mercury in retrograde. Maybe you yelled at your boss because he was being a dick. Yeah. Like, let's not always blame other things. Sometimes, like, take accountability because, like, maybe you were badly behaved because someone deserved it. And in that situation, like, say, I yelled because they sucked. Like, <laughs> I, I really think that people also need to stop saying, like, blaming their, like, bad interactions on the stars. And sometimes, like, say, like, or I yelled because I was having a bad day and I sucked that day. (laughs) Like we need to like stop and actually take a look at who we are. Yeah. And I think that's so funny because like it was just a full full moon Mm -hmm. Friday the 13th. And so people are just like, Oh, like the full moon's making everybody crazy. And it's Friday the 13th and like all this stuff. And I'm like, or it's just like a really long week. Oh yeah. It's December. And so we are all broke because we're buying gifts that we don't even know if people will like. And we've all gained 10 pounds because there's so many cookies everywhere. Like my house is firmly on the cookie diet. My mom um, believes in a new Christmas cookie each week in December. And then she makes an alternative adult cookie with alcohol in it. So there are two cookies. I'd like to put this out there. There are 10 desserts in my house right now. Thank God. Love that. Oh, my kids are obsessed. My kids came down from breakfast. I had a cookie. I'm like, how did this happen? Yeah, you're like, it's 8 a.m. What do you mean you had a cookie? Like, I know we made them, but like, what? Didn't I also make crepes for breakfast? Did you have a dessert breakfast and then have dessert with your dessert? I don't understand. But basically, it's like Mercury in retrograde is just another way that people always talk about like, Either bad things happen, but you know, um, alternatively, when you actually talk to people who are into astrology, working in retrograde is a great time to like increase your productivity. Like, so depending on how you look at things, like the Scorpio intensity, intensity can be a good thing. Yeah. Intense people get shit done. Yeah. If Mercury and retrograde is something that you want to say is blaming for intensity, then use it to your advantage. You know, like if that's something that you believe in, cool, lean into it positively. Yeah. Don't let anything rule your life in a negative way. Yeah. Absolutely. But I am looking and it does look like each year there are three different Mercury and retrogrades, which checks with the amount of times people are posting about it happens. this year. I seriously feel like it happens so often. And it does. Only like in the last like year or so that I feel everyone is. Just- I think everyone's much more aware of it now yeah. because of the Internet. Thank you, Internet, again. Um, and so people are just posting about it because it's like this year we had it in March, July, and actually from Halloween till November 20th. And Mercury in retrograde apparently lasts a whole month. So if you're going to blame it for something, that's like 30 days of blaming things. <laughs> that's a whole month of bad juju. What are you doing, guys? <laughs> it's Mercury in retrograde. I lost a whole month. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> Don't be that person. Yeah. But now you can look up the dates you can put on your calendar <laughs> to blame it. <laughs> be like, I can't say anything yet, but tomorrow. Yeah. I'm 
I'm all about blaming the retrograde. I need to make a big decision. So ask me after March 10th, 2020, because until then it's Mercury in retrograde. <laughs> it's just like that saying, don't get bangs on your period. It's like a real hairdressing saying where it's like, don't get bangs on your period. <laughs> any, any like actual changes while you're on your period which i will endorse have you ever gone shopping on your period and then come home with something and you look at it and you're like what (laughs) this does not fit in with my aesthetic this doesn't fit with my life what was happening here and you're just like completely confused by it and then you realize that like you're starting your period either that day or the next day and you're like oh it all jives okay my brain like the hormones were somewhere else doing other things haircuts after breakups don't do that either Although if you do get a breakup haircut, it is cleansing. Remember, like getting rid of any, like bringing new energy in, always a good thing. A mullet, if that's not who you are, maybe not a good call. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I mean, I'm just, the mullet is coming back. Have you not seen Instagram? No, I have a friend that has a mullet and I just can't. Right? He's had it for like two or three years. Okay, so he's a mullet person. That's fine. If you he wasn't originally. Well, it happened. <laughs> hey, you know what? Sometimes we need to lean into our aesthetics, and he's a mullet guy now. And you know, whatever. I'm just saying that if you are a, you know, if you've always had long Barbie locks and you have a breakup, and you're like, I think a mullet's a great call right now. Sleep on that one. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I hope that no girls get I've seen some pretty cool girl mullets. Like when my hairstylist actually does some mullets and like mullets aren't always what people think of as mullets, if that makes sense. That's not what it is. No, it's like a mullet is basically anything where the front layers are shorter than the back layers. So like there's some really cute, like if you've seen like the baby bangs, like some people really like that. And if that's your aesthetic and that's who you are, cool. But I'm just saying that like if you've had one, like if you, you know, if you have like Victoria's Secret model hair and you suddenly wake up because you had a bad breakup and you're like, I'm going to chop this off into the Joe dirt, you need to go to your girlfriends and they need to take your phone away so you can't book a hair appointment just until you've like slept on it for at least a week. Absolutely. That's it. I'm just saying. But also don't do it during Mercury and Retrograde apparently. <laughs> so no haircuts in February for anyone's. Three times a year. Yeah. So. A yeah, you can't get haircuts. You can't buy. Like, really, if you read some of these descriptions on Mercury Retrograde, it says, "Don't buy real estate. Don't buy cars. No. Don't accept proposals. No financial decisions should be made." That's three months out of a year that you can't make decisions. <laughs> I don't believe in that. There's lots of stuff I'll get behind, but that's not one of them. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. Yeah. Thanks for helping me learn more about myself. Of course, anytime. And like I said, it's just uh, something fun. If you have some time, you pull up your own star chart and start digging. Maybe you'll find something interesting about where your Pluto was placed. I, I'm not there yet. Maybe you will. Interesting that people still care about Pluto in regards to their astrology. It's no longer a planet. It still is in the star chart, though. Interesting. Yeah, it's still at least on the website I use. <laughs> I have no idea that it was anywhere in there. Oh, it is. It's a huge chart. Like I said, there's like 20 things on this. It's a, it's a, goodness. Like you said, do it for fun. Do what you're going to do. But like, eh. Yeah. And also just like, don't blame your Zodiac sign for your behavior. That's pretty much it. I think that's what we can't, what the, the, the message of this podcast has been, don't blame outside things for your own behavior. If you're doing something, own it. Like, 
we all uh, accountability is just one of the biggest things that I think that is like my takeaway from almost every interaction I have with people is that like be accountable. If you didn't text your friend back and they were having a bad day and they're mad at you, you didn't text them back. Yeah. Say you're sorry. Move along. Exactly. That's pretty much it. And if you actually want to figure out why you are the way that you are, go to therapy. Figure pretty much. Yeah, if you want to talk about it, if you want to learn more, if you want to dig up past trauma. <laughs> Yes, I don't. Digging up past traumas is could be an entirely different podcast that we could go into. How to dig up past traumas, complete with shovel. Oh, thanks for joining me. Of course. About it yeah, it was super fun. College and you know, it's not beyond knowing that I was a cancer. I never really looked into it beyond that. Yeah. Very interesting and very spot on for me. And I do believe in it, and I do think. Yeah. That I, you know, describes a lot about me. So I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. And I will send you all these links and stuff after I leave so you can pull it up. I don't know if you put links in these or ever, but. Yeah, you definitely can.